Your life as it has been is over. The face is on fun. Let's be ready for anything. Welcome back to Set Phasers to Fun, everybody. Set Phasers to Fun, episode what number? Five. Episode five already. Yeah. We're practicing practically a legacy podcast now. That's true. We're the longest running podcast About. in this month. It's true. Um, we have uh, some new... Some new listeners to thank for joining in. Uh, we got people from. We got somebody from China. We got a, somebody from Turkey. That's amazing. We got someone in England or Great Britain, and we got somebody in the Republic of Ireland. I think I know who that is. Uh, and then one person from Brazil. So thanks. Who's, who's our? Who is? Who's listening from Great Britain? Can you tell? I don't know. Because I have one fan who lives in Great Britain. Probably them. I have my one British fan. Do you know their IP address? Uh, not off the okay. top of my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can tell you that, but that's about it. We also have, uh, as always, some real, actual, legitimate viewer mail. Yay! Uh, Jason McCullough writes in and says, It's great how you're focusing on hard-hitting analysis of far future controversies like holodeck perversions. He says, Avant-garde theater, hopefully like interior semiotics, except extra effed up because medical advances can fix it. Now, I had to look up interior semiotics. I think Jason might be smarter than uh, the hosts of this podcast. He definitely is. Semiotics Uh, is like the study of things meaning other things, like a cigar is a penis or something it's true uh but i had to look up interior semiotics um and it's yeah, what would, hang on let me see if i can figure it out so if symbiotics no semi what was it semiotics In, yep it's about cigars meaning penises then interior semiotics is about something inside the cigar is inside also the penis i don't know i can't i i, I hit a wall it was a piece of performance art um, wherein a young lady um, put uh, spaghettios um, in a place that shouldn't they shouldn't go. Ah, fascinating! In a Forever Twenty One, I think. In an orifice. Well, naturally. <laughs> Where else are you going to put your spaghettios? <laughs> what if Forever Twenty One was just her slang for, for the part? Exactly. Be like, hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the outside, I may be forty-two, but on the inside, I'm Forever Twenty-One. I think Jason's point is, you know, the really twisted or, you know, avant-garde performance art stuff, you could really go all out because, you know, the medical, like Dr. Crusher could be on standby uh, to fix anything that you may have done to yourself. That's true. You're also in the holodeck, so I guess you could put some kind of safeguards on there. Um, but I guess the, in the setting of the show, everyone is, has evolved to where their sensibilities are, where they wouldn't need to do uh, they they don't need performance art. art. They don't need dangerous <laughs> performance art. <laughs> I think we evolved past performance art after the 1970s. Hey, she threw pudding on herself. Uh, that's That was interesting 40 years ago. But I think Jason has revealed what he would do for the holodeck. Is he, he had... would do the SpaghettiOs Forever 21 thing. Sure, but like with a, something worse. I would make the... the whole holodeck the forever 21 and then the people could be the spaghettios 
I mean, scale is not an issue. It's all I'm saying. That's true. That's true. It would be like spelunking. I think this is a good. This is this is great. Thanks, Jason, for the imagery. Uh, you're really ruining this for everybody. Um, <laughs> and then another uh, another more wholesome question. Uh, Thomas Young writes in. Says, "Longtime listener, first time tweeter, adder. Never seen the show. Where should I start?" <laughs> Which actually got another another. Uh, 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 my buddy Jenna has never seen the show, and has listened to the podcast. Wait, has listened to our podcast, but has never seen Next Generation? Yep. That's a that's a level of, of yeah. masochism that is remarkable. Yeah. I think it's just because... Who would possibly want to listen to us? It just it just speaks to our, our breezy repartee. <laughs> um, However many listeners we got before, we have lost with the Forever 21 bit. They're like, unsubscribe. Absolutely. Where should we start the show? New listeners is what they're asking. So, um... I, you got to start at the beginning, I guess, just to get a sense of character. But those first two seasons are, for the most part, pretty painful. The first two seasons are high cheese. They are definite high cheese. However, I found recently in rewatching, especially season one and season two, a surprising amount of subtlety that I had forgotten. It's like the subtlety and then the big thing of cheese whiz over the subtlety. But like the editing and the fact and like some of the, there's a lot of like unspoken sentences hanging in the air that another show would make sure they say the sentences. Do you know what I mean? There's a level of sophistication. Yeah. It really like takes off obviously in season three. But there's, I think there's something, I don't know, maybe this is just the affection of a fan, but, but I think there's something wonderful about season one and two. At the very least, you could have watched Patrick Stewart be all captain-y. He's way more captain-y in the first season. Yeah, he's barking orders. And plus, you gotta get in with Wesley on the ground floor. You gotta get in with those like horrible, homemade, chunky sweaters that he made in some like homespun science class. Right. Like, you gotta get in on that level. Also, you gotta fall in love with Bev in season one so that you can be like, F you, Pulaski, in season two. So that when you circle back to season three, you're like, ah, at last, Bev. But if you don't have that, like, original ground floor, Bev, I don't know if it, if her return does anything for you. Also, sorry, but also they make references. There's, like, a couple of key episodes in season one and two that they will refer to the through the rest of the series. Like, uh, Tasha Yar eating it in the big oil spill. Mm -hmm. um, Q, all of the Q stuff, the encounter at Farpoint, mm -hmm. comes back over and over again. The other great thing about season one is that if you miss season one, you lose the fact that Riker has a dimple chin. Like, if you go straight yeah. to bearded Riker, you miss dimple chinned Riker. And that's just a joy to behold. Right. Also, you miss thin Riker, which goes hand in hand with the dimple chin. He never got, he was never like fat Leodama, but he... He was girdled. He he, he filled out. He, he was, filled out. He was strapped in. He had whatever that 1980s version of Spanx for men were. <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get him on and we can ask him these things. Yeah. He got person. really barrel chested. Suspiciously barrel chested. Why would she lie like that? She was lying. You could tell. Well... I didn't sense any deception from her. 
Then you think that I No, would... no, of course not. Another listener, uh, Clinton Trucks, wrote in and submitted a... I hate to say this, but it's a think piece about Dr. Pulaski. Okay. Uh, uh, kind of defending her, that she was uh, kind of a foil for Picard that he didn't have. Uh, you know, she's kind of a, a different female character for the show. Sure. But I would say not a positive one. Like, not a, not a good one. Well, I stand by my original supposition, which is that the writers wanted us to hate Pulaski. Right. I think the way that she's introduced, the way that she's framed, the positions that she takes in key episodes, they are antagonistic ones. Like, they want us to not like her. That said, I thought the actor playing Pulaski brought a lot of sympathy to the role. I think Pulaski... Uh-huh. I totally... I'm with you, Clinton, about the sort of the the nuances. There's a... I think a lot of that Pulaski hate comes out of the sort of the knee-jerk Bev love. Like, you got to be Team Beverly or Team Pulaski. I think it's like she came in and she was mean to our TV friends. Exactly. Our TV friends were having a great time exploring the space. And then this lady comes in who's like, Bah! Shut up, Dana. And she's over 50. And we're like, a lady over 50? What? Like, so she had a bad prejudice against her. As opposed right. to Sexy Beverly. It's like, I feel like, as like as fabulous as Diana Moldar is, I think that she is playing with a character that the writers don't like. And contrast that with John Delancey, who plays Q, who is, Q is supposed to be an unlikable character, but clearly the writers are in love with Q, as they should be. But you're absolutely right. I mean, there are characters that are, there's a sense of joy about them. You know, the kind of guest star roles are a little bit meatier. And then there's some that are just like, ah, bah, they're spitting nails and they, you know, they're there because they have to be. I just watched the one with uh, Seymour Cassell where he plays like a beekeeper on the planet. Uh, there's like some kind of, he, he's in like a beekeeper outfit. I forget what the problem was. This is a few months ago, but he had such a great time being like, not knowing what show he was being on. (laughs) 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 He he might as well have been on an episode of Little House on the Prairie, but he was having a great time and I appreciated it. (laughs) Now I really want to know what the episode was. Uh, It's called The Child. Yeah, it's the one where Troy gets pregnant. Oh, yeah. Who's Seymour Cassell in that episode? He works at a like a research station that's got a deadly plague. He's like in charge of making sure that the plague doesn't get out there in these containment units. That's like every fourth episode. Could exposure to Eichner radiation stimulate growth? It could, but I... I've got some. Why didn't you detect this before? I don't know. It wasn't here before. Well, it is now. Thanks uh, for the viewer mail or the listener mail. Yes. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for writing in and taking the time. And we'll try to answer all of your questions that we can. We haven't heard back from Derek or Lisa that we answered their viewer mail last week. I assume they were so thrilled with their sudden fame of being uh, mentioned on our podcast that they have entered into a period of quiet reflection about it. I don't see any other possibility. <laughs> so today, we are going to talk about Ten Forward. Oh, yes. The swingin', swingin' uh, bar slash restaurant slash watering hole. I remember being so thrilled 
and tickled when I suddenly understood why it was called 10 forward when it's on level 10 and in the forward part of, like I was when that when I finally made that connection I was like oh I mean I was I was a very dumb 14 year old but the point being so when I finally put it together I was like oh it's not just some hip name for a club like Studio 54 10 forward it is kind of the address of the bar yeah it's the equivalent of calling the bar you know 71 maple or whatever also sort of digression i also remember speaking of epiphanies i had about things that are called other things on the show uh, uh-huh. i remember when i finally realized that they were saying away team as in go away and not right. oa team and i was like what's an oa team send an oa team i couldn't figure out like I was, and i spent a lot of time trying to figure out what o and a stood for like off ship adventure like i was trying to like make it work <laughs> send an off ship adventure I, team I, I you're alone there i never once heard oa team <laughs> is it was it the was it the british accent when i don't you were know a kid in Iowa? i don't know maybe I, that's right my iowan ears were not used to such Crazy sounds. Sending away team. Mother, what? What's the, the British man talking about? <laughs> he don't sound normal. He don't talk good like I expect. That's how I'm imagining that you sounded. <laughs> That's how no Iowans sound at all. <laughs> Iowans sound more like Kid Rock. I'm sorry to inform you. <laughs> you shouldn't be sorry about that at all. <laughs> he, do, he does have a melodious voice. Yeah. There's a lot He's of a Iowans big... that look like Kid Rock, too. Kid Rock is not from Iowa, but he spiritually belongs in part of Iowa, I'm sure. He's from Michigan, and I used to work with his uncle. Well, look at that. If you're Kid Rock and you're listening to this, please let us write in and let us know if you thought it was an away team or an OA team. Yes, Kid Rock can only solve this mystery. Maybe it was maybe it was a statewide Iowan thing, yeah. or maybe it was just my own weirdness. So if you're an Iowa you... listener, write in. You can write into us to uh, setphaserstofunpod at gmail.com or on Twitter to setphaserspod at setphaserspod. Uh, if you're from Riverside, Iowa or wherever Kirk is from, we'd especially like to hear from you. Also, if you're from Le Bar, France, um, please write in as well. Yes, if you're from France, I would like to know your feelings about Patrick Stewart, an English guy playing a French guy, if that ever threw you for a loop. Maybe it was Payback for Highlander, <laughs> where they had a French guy play a Scott. Is that the movie where uh, Sean Connery is playing like an Egyptian or something? Yeah, Egyptian Spanish. Well, he's a more—he's like five thousand years old, so he's a lot of things. And you're like the movie's called Highlander, and you've cast Sean Connery, the most famous Scotsman. Yeah. And you're gonna cast him as an Egyptian. It just feels like a like a prank. They cast him in Untouchables as an Irish guy. That I can buy because I bet there's a lot of people who can't tell the difference. I don't want to bring up Irish people around you. I know that sends you into a rage. <laughs> <laughs> I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, Chief Metallurgist to King Charles V of Spain. And I'm at your service. I feel like there should be a bar, like a modern day bar designed like tent forward it would be all beige yep and under lighting i'm looking at a photo uh, all the tables are you're lift from underneath which is not flattering no it's like everyone is their own kitchen cupboard with under cabinet lighting only the cabinet is you there's carpet and I, that makes me there's carpet all over the enterprise and that seems terrible like a terrible idea 
Do you suppose maybe the futuristic linoleum is um, too slippery? I, you would think futuristic shoes would have enough grip to compensate. That's an excellent point. People always talk about you never see anyone on the Enterprise going to the bathroom. I've never seen anyone vacuuming. And that ship is probably disastrous. You know who vacuums? Wesley's nanites. They're like, now that you're sentient, we're going to put you to work. It's going to, you're going to be the carpeting, the equivalent of like the bacteria that lives on people's eyelashes and eats the extra mascara. That's what the uh-huh. nanites are going to be to the carpet of the Enterprise. You are going to uh, exclusively eat dander? <laughs> well, listen, it's not like their shoes are getting muddy from walking outside. That's true. So it's all dead skin. It's all dead skin that they're eating. So they're like, it's a buffet. Let's get futuristic about it. Maybe the carpeting in 10 Forward. Have you seen those bath mats that are really like living moss? No. They totally gross me out, but some people are excited about it. It's like, it's a, it's a bath mat that is a plant. It's like a living green mossy thing. And so you step out of the shower and you step onto the plant. So your shower droppings That's feed so... the bath mat. Cool. Yeah, it's either really cool or horrifying, depending. I am looking at this now. I think this is kind of cool. So maybe, we're in the 24th century, maybe the carpet in 10 Forward is all that kind of bath mat stuff, except for that they have genetically engineered the moss to to look like putty-colored shag. You know, I cannot disprove this. You are very strange-looking creatures. Now traveled, we've encountered many other creatures, perhaps even stranger looking than ourselves. One of the things that strikes me about Ten Forward is that um, all of the lucite furniture, like the clear, doesn't they have like 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 the bar stools have those like clear legs and things? There's a lot of lucite. There's a lot of the chairs are the ones that Riker would throw his leg over. Oh yeah, those little U-shaped chairs. They, they don't have arms. They've got kind of a. They look like the outline of a chair. Yeah, they look like they are going to stretch out at any minute, but they're all scrunched up. They look like somebody doing, like, downward-facing dog. What if the chairs are, in fact, an alien race that just wants to do yoga all the time, but they're just moving so slowly? You know how, like, glass is always, is, like, a li- really a liquid? Like, the glass yeah. in your window panes is constantly, you just can't see it because it's moving so slowly? What right. if the chairs are actually sentient I love this. Anything in the future could be sentient. The carpet is sentient. The chairs, also sentient. Uh huh. Uh, the chessboard. Sure. Maybe all the maybe all the chess pieces are little little aliens. Chessboard has a mind of its own. So not only is the floor carpeted, the bar is carpeted. It, you're right. So you've got a wood. It's a wood bar with a lucite middle that's making everybody look like ghouls. Can kids drink? <laughs> Synthol? Ooh, that's a good question. Because it doesn't have any alcohol. It doesn't make you drunk. That's the whole thing about synthol. No, it does, but you can instantly reverse the effects. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. You can get drunk, but you... I I think. Humanoids have an enzyme that breaks down the alcohol-like compounds. And synthol's intoxicating effects can be easily dismissed. I don't know what that... They need to figure this out. Easily dismissed. Well, I can easily dismiss regular alcohol's effects. I can be like, ah, yeah. you were drunk. What do you know about anything? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it seems to me the more I drink, the more easily dismissed I am by others. Mm. Get out of here, uh, Gogarty. 
With your slurred speech and your wacky ideas about bath mats. We don't want you. <laughs> How many bars have you been 86 from permanently for going on about bath mats and, and chairs being sentient? I was drinking scotch a hundred years before you were born. And I can tell you that whatever this is, it is definitely not scotch. It is an alcohol substitute now being served aboard starships. It simulates the appearance, taste, and smell of alcohol, but the intoxicating effects can be easily dismissed. Also, Ted Forward is where they play their concerts, right? No, they have a uh, they have their own little amphitheater. No, because Riker's Space Jazz Quartet plays at Ten Forward. Well, sometimes. yeah, his Space Jazz Quartet plays there, but like when they put on their shows. Like when they put oh, on Cyrano de Bergerac and other things, they have a separate little play space. Okay, so if you're playing, if Data's playing in the string quartet or whatever, why is it at Carnegie Hall? Why don't they go to the holodeck and invite everybody and they play at Carnegie Hall? Do you think that there is a limit to the number of people that can fit in a holodeck? Well, I mean, it's not that big of a room, so yeah, but you could fill it out with hollow people. Yeah, but just, but just, but no, but not just the size of the room, but like. You think about the holiday. I know we're supposed to be talking about ten forward, but coming back to the holiday, like the more people that are in there, the more complicated the computer program has to be because you have mm-hmm. to. The computer program is constantly adjusting based on your perspective, right? So if you're facing west, right. it looks a certain way, and then if you look northwest, it changes, right? You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. the more people that are in a holodeck, like the more complicated that program's got to be. To yeah, it's true. Because it's gotta, it's gotta work. For everybody, no matter where they're standing. So that's why, that's the reason to have an amphitheater Yeah. in the Enterprise. Also, yeah, who true. are you doing these concerts for? Are you just doing it for the bridge crew? Because F them, there's a, a thousand people on this ship, and they want to hear some classical music by gum. I think Shuttle Bay. Shuttle Bay's pretty big. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, the acoustics are terrible in this Acoustics shuttle bay. are terrible. Not carpeted, the Shuttle Bay. The one spot. You have found it. It's not carpeted as the shuttle bay. I don't know if I would have chosen this piece of art that's behind the bar. Yeah, that weird, like, plasma-looking thing. Yeah, the rock. It's like a rock, you know. It looks like lava that's cooling. You would think there would be some kind of three, you know, some kind of future art. Let your production designer go wild. Do you think Guinan had any say on the art? Didn't Guinan show up a little bit later? Well, we don't meet Guinan until later. But there's never right. a, like, welcome Guinan to the ship. So there's this sort of feeling that perhaps Guinan has been around. We just have never yeah. centered an episode on her. Nothing has changed. I know that. I also know it's wrong. Yeah. But, okay, but you don't see a lot of kids in Ten Forward. No. Sometimes you see Wesley, and but he's the youngest one. Do you think it's because kids aren't allowed in Ten Forward? Or maybe the kids have no interest in going to Ten Forward? Because if you can't get drunk... What's the point? Right. Who wants to hang out with their parents? I gotta think it is a... Adults need a place to go. They need a bar. It's just a bar. So Guinan is essentially the Sam Malone character. Yes. If Guinan is Sam Malone, who is Diane? Picard is Diane. (laughs) Yes, Picard is Diane. That's right. Data is Woody. Could Data be Coach? Maybe he's both Coach and Woody. He might be. Riker Cliff? Riker is Norm because everybody likes Norm and everybody right. likes Riker. Right. Um, Cliff is clearly Jordy LaForge. Yes. <laughs> Cliff Clavin is clearly Jordy LaForge. Data is Data Dr. Crane. Fraser Crane? Yeah. Hmm. 
No, Worf is Fraser Crane. Just, just, re- just replace psychiatry with Klingon battle skills, and it's Fraser Crane. Well, that's anybody, though. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? In terms of, like, he's a specialist. He can't really relate well to other people outside of his specialty. Right. He's constantly being led around by his passions. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Crane, Fraser Crane is Fraser Klingon. Oh, Tasha is coach. Hmm. Because Tasha dies. That's right, and coach dies. I dig it. Yeah. I Who's Carla? Oh, who's Carla? Did Car- Kinda didn't really have she had assistants, but they were na- they were extra. They were nameless extras. Yeah. Um Well let's see. Who's who's uh wisecracking? Who's uh tough talking? Who gets it on with a lot of people? Riker. Uh, Riker might Riker, be Carla. Riker is Carla. Riker's Carla, Data is Norm. Yep. Data is Norm, because everybody likes Data. Riker is Carla. What's a knockout like you doing in a computer-generated gin joint like this? Waiting for you. Waiting for me. But I watched the one where Riker was accused of killing the scientists uh, last night. The Rashomon episode, where we look, get it from different perspectives. Patently ridiculous, but <laughs> fine. Fine. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. When did ladies' nightgowns go out of fashion? Because ladies were wearing the nightgowns in the 80s and early 90s and then now the ladies don't wear nightgowns anymore but apparently in the 24th century we'll be back into the nightgowns they're space nightgowns yeah silk satin space nightgowns yeah. you never see anybody on star trek sleeping in like a grubby t-shirt that says like never that says like you know away team reunion if you're a guy, you have to wear a shirt uh, that's open to the navel and short shorts. You have to wear if you're a lady, you have to wear a nightgown. You have to wear a long flowing nightgown from uh, the 50s. You can have a robe if someone comes to your quarters. But if you're a guy, it better be a shorty robe. Like, unless, like Picard wears a robe that doesn't actually cover anything. It's le- somehow smaller than his sleeping clothes. <laughs> I guess those ill-fitting uniforms are really comfortable because everybody in 10 Forward's always in uniform. You're right. I mean, I imagine you're working 8 to 10 hours a day and the rest of the time you're off. But they never, no one is ever in, just chilling out in the, in the 10 Forward in their civvies. Well, they don't really have a lot of clothes. Like, there's not a lot of room. Even Troy, who is the most clothes horsiest of them all, has like three outfits. She has her turquoise dress. She has her burgundy jumpsuit. Her gray jumpsuit from season one with the bejeweled headdress. Yep. And they're in uniform. And, like, that's it. And she just wears those over and over and over again. Come in for a drink? Ah, Federation decor. Not your style. Well, conformity is not my style. I love um, all of the exciting dishes that you can have at 10 Forward, although everyone has a replicator in their own unit. So why do they go to 10 Forward? To be, to be served, I guess. Like, what can you get in 10 Forward that you can't get in your quarters? And the answer is to be served. I think it's the same as, like, why bars exist. Why would you pay 500% markup for liquor? It's so you can hang out with other people. Yeah. You know, you just, you need the community. It's just a, it's just a hang. Otherwise, you will lose your mind staring at the infinite vacuum of space. That's where all the brawls happen? You know, if you're going to have a brawl, if you're going to go to fisticuffs, probably 10 Forward is the safest and best place to do it. 
because yeah. all of the furniture is lucite. You know those glasses are like plastic tumblers. <laughs> it's going to be like totally the the acoustic baffling panels on the walls are soft. Like you don't want to brawl in the shuttle bay. No. There's you could get hit by like wrenches and stuff. Yeah, that's why Worf got paralyzed. Yeah, that's ba- that's the bad brawling place. You don't want to brawl on the bridge where you could accidentally like bump your hip against a you know a panel and then explode the ship or something. Yeah. But you don't like that's you don't want to do that. Nope. You want to save your brawling for the holodeck or ten forward. And really, ten forward is better because what's the point of brawling if you know you're going to win? That's true. Really, there should be fighting pits in the Enterprise. Real fighting <laughs> pits. Which they had in Battlestar Galactica. Sorry, you remember that Battlestar Galactica episode when they all took turns in the boxing match just beating the hell out of each other? Yeah, I do remember that. I think that was a projected Next Generation plot. It's where uh, Chief O'Brien married uh, Keiko. And where Keiko gave birth to her baby. And by the way, that's the one thing that really... Not the one thing, but among the many things that drives me crazy about Next Generation uh-huh. is... Is because so Worf is delivering the baby, right? Keiko's trying push Keiko, push Keiko, right? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what drives me crazy about it is it's because they're giving birth in like the worst possible way. And you would think that by the 24th century, they would get it together. They're not going to be putting Keiko on her back. They're not going to be demanding that she push. Like, read some literature about human physiology. Like, that's the kind of malarkey you can get away with in the mid to late 20th century. By the time the 24th century comes along, Keiko yep. should be grabbing a birthing stick and shooting that sucker right out. A birthing stick? You know what I mean? Like are a pole a, or something. Are those available now? They might, any stick can be a birthing stick if you give birth with it. You just hold on to it. And you just go, ha! And then it just flies out of you. That's true. Like an alien baby, like whoa! I'll bet there's, I'll bet C sections are lightning fast in the future. I bet yeah. they, they just teleport the fetus out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that'd be amazing. What's they, the point in giving birth at all if they're gonna be, be teleporting the fetus out? Uh, no point. Don't do it. Wait a minute. I've just saw a flaw in our plan, Charlie. You have to get a teleportation pad. Into the uterus. No, they do site to site transfers. Oh yeah, like a beam, like they like so they're beaming the baby up. Yeah. I see. Yeah. You wouldn't have to put like a little communicator pin in there. Well, that seems pretty easy. <laughs> That's true. A little communicator speculum. Catch. If you're an obstetrician and would like to weigh in about, uh, you know, <laughs> delivering babies via transport. You can tweet us at setphaserspod <laughs> or write us at setphaserstofunpod at gmail. We'd love to hear from you. Congratulations. You are fully dilated to 10 centimeters. You may now give birth. Okay, so is there, there's only one 10 forward, I guess. Or is there a lesser one for others to go to? Like the, is there like an 8 forward? Yeah, I mean, is there one? Because there's like over a thousand people on the ship. That's true. And 10-4, it probably has a seating capacity of 45. There's got to be another one. There's got to be a second bar. There's got to be a dive bar in the Enterprise. Down by the, <laughs> down by the shuttle bays, the storage pods or whatever. It's called, like, 36 backward. <laughs> it's like in the, it's at the tail end of, it's the exhaust pipes part of the ship. That's where Barkley goes to most of the time. Barkley is like a big shot in that bar. 
<laughs> he goes to ten four. Is like, oh, Barclay's going to spill whiskey everywhere. Or he goes to thirty six forward, and people are like, tell us what it's like up in the front. Yeah, that's right. Because you don't want to. You don't, you can't relax if your boss is there. The whole point of being in a bar is just talk smack about your boss. And if they're right over there drinking their synthahol and playing their their multi level chess game, what's the point? You're not quite uh, human, are you? No, sir. I'm an android. Lieutenant Commander Data. <sighs> Synthetic scotch. Synthetic commanders. Let's end our podcast with a couple rounds of FMK, our favorite game. Fornicate, Mary kill. Uh, all right. Uh, go ahead. Wesley Crusher, Beverly Crusher, Jack Crusher. Wow. It's an all-crusher edition. Everyone kind of at their, their peak? Yeah, sure. Like Wesley's of age. Yes. Season six, Beverly. Jack before he was killed. Yeah, sure. Not dead. He's not dead. No, not the corpse of Jack Crusher. Uh, okay. I kill Wesley. Obviously. Obviously. To multiple cheers. Sorry. I think I, mar- I think I marry Beverly and F Jack. Yeah. Uh, I think Beverly is probably great wife material. Yeah, she has all that, like... Irish grandma who taught her how to like pickle things. Who was who was actually getting it on with a ghost. You remember that episode? Yeah, absolutely. She would inevitably leave me for the ghost. <laughs> she would. But And who but, could blame her really? And you know, Jack deserves a thrill while before he gets shot by whatever. Yeah. Whatever happened to him. That's generous of you. Give him a night he uh won't remember because he'll be dead. Shut up, Wesley. FMK. The uh, Dumbledore, floating head. <laughs> Worf's mother. The Russian lady, his his adopted mother. And and Hugh the Borg. Oh, well, let's see. Uh, I would kill Worf's Russian mama. Sorry, but somebody's got to go. Uh, I would marry the floating head. I think we would have some really excellent conversations. Yep. And I would ride Hugh the Borg like nobody's business. Like Hugh the Borg would would see a new universe by the time I was through. <laughs> Hugh the Borg would be like, oh, I now know what it is to be an individual as opposed to a collective because I'm individually getting my mind and circuits blown by this experience. Uh, you are correct. <laughs> On all three of them. Resistance is not futile. No. What you are saying is that you are lonely. We are also lonely. That does it for episode number five. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch, at Set Phasers Pod or Set Phasers to Fun Pod at Gmail, we'd love to hear from you. We would be uh, ecstatic to hear from you. Uh, and we'll see you next week. All right. Try this. What is it? Just try it. You see? It's an earth drink. Prune juice. Warriors drink. <laughs>